if you do not know this family, um, many of you have been praying for this family, uh, and we've been updating you on what has taken place in their lives. If you were not here about 22 months ago, almost two years ago, in March of 2017, Dean had a bad auto accident that um, left him in the hospital uh, for about four to five months. Uh, and um, he was in a coma as well for about five, six weeks, uh, and so um, just went through a very trying time, um, obviously praying for Dean and his life, because it was life and death there for a while, uh, and in that coma, um, spent some time over in the Bay Area in a hospital rehab place as well, um, also in the southern part of the United States. What, what city was that in? Santa Clara. Uh, uh, and, then, and then across the country as well. Was it Louisiana? Was it Texas? It was in Louisiana um, that did some more work there as well, just helping um, Dean to get to the place that he is. So we wanted to share kind of how things have been going in their lives uh, and what God is doing in their lives as well. And so, Michelle, um, I know that the Lord really sustained you throughout this entire process. Um, You've had a lot of people praying for you, a lot of people in your lives. But but talk to us a little bit about how the Lord personally sustained you going through all that that your family has gone through. Well, three days before Dean's accident, God did tell me he would sustain me, and he has held his promise from the beginning. He has given me so much hope and faith throughout all of this that sometimes I'm even surprised at how much faith he's given me, that um, sometimes doctors would give us discouraging words, and I would look at him and saying, you don't know my God. Mm -hmm. My God could do impossible things. Nothing is impossible with him. And another time I feel God has sustained me through is when he um, named Dean when I was six weeks pregnant. And Dean means one from the valley. And so as we were going through this process, I would, well, I, throughout the 19 years, I would wonder, God, why did you name him Dean, one from the valley? I mean, we were, he was born in the valley, and he, you know, I raised him in the valley. And then the day after the accident, Pastor Brad shared with all of you Dean's tragic um, accident. And one of the ladies here came to the hospital and said, I don't know, but God wants me to talk to you. And I said, well, you know, God named him Dean, and Dean, um, he belongs to God, and our children are gifts to God. And she looked at me and she said, well, what does Dean mean? And I said, one from the valley. And she looked at me and she said, Psalms 23:4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff comfort me. And I went, wow, okay, God, now I know why you called him Dean. He's definitely from the valley, and at that time, we weren't sure if he was going to survive. And I just felt those were comforting words of that do not fear, for he is with us. And he has comforted us through the entire time. Absolutely, he has. And he, he sustained this family in so many ways. In fact, I think it was just a couple of days after the actual accident, you also had a dream um, that really God made an impression upon you, didn't it? Actually, yes. And it was, I believe, about 24 hours after the accident. And with, at that time, they didn't know if Dean was going to survive. And so that first night when I went to sleep, I, um, I dreamt that I was in front of the hospital And all of a sudden, a soldier in his uniform was standing at attention at the hospital. And all of a sudden, there were two. And then at an aerial view, I just saw rows and rows upon soldiers. And that second soldier put his rifle up to his shoulder. And at that time, at that moment, it was so powerful. The 
the whole army marched towards the hospital, and there was a powerful sound that woke me up. And all I can think of, I feel like God showed me that that was his army of soldiers fighting for Dean's life. And he just gave me that vision. And also, I feel, after Pastor Brad shared with all of you, you guys have been, God calls us the prayer warriors. And you guys have been those soldiers, makes me want to cry, that were standing in front of that hospital. And every prayer was heard, and they was marching towards his room. And he, you guys are part of his I feel it's life from being alive and here today. Absolutely. So thank you. Absolutely. That is a wonderful reminder of how powerful prayer is. Power, yes. The power in prayer. And so, so many of you, obviously, as I said, know, uh, prayed for this family and for Dean and for Marty uh, and Jake as well. Um, Marty, thank you so much. And Michelle, if you just want to hand that over to Marty as well. Um, Marty, you have been really a stalwart within this family as well, as you've been the primary caregiver um, for um, Dean on a regular basis, uh, just caring for him, taking him to the gym, taking him to therapy and other places like that. Um, I know when some of these kind of tragic things take place and hard accident takes place, sometimes that can divide a family up. Um, But really, you have come closer together as a family, and Marty, you are a huge, huge part of that. And so we thank you for being that lover and caregiver. Um, He's like your best friend now. I I, I know it is, because you guys spend so much time together, but you wanted to say something yeah. to our church family as well, don't you? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, everybody at First Baptist for their prayers, donations, time, and insight. Uh, you can never really prepare for a tragedy, and why would you want to? But I can tell you that this church, through Christ, stood up with an outpouring of love and compassion, and for that we are grateful. Dean has made great progress, and we are hopeful and praying for more. It's a great feeling to know Jesus has your back, and it shows through First Baptist Church of Stockton. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, through these tough and difficult times, God is still on the throne, God still is working, and God is still molding our lives and shaping our lives. And so, Michelle, I know you've been receptive to that, of hearing, okay, God, where are you taking this? Where do you want um, me and our family to take steps forward? And so, one of the wonderful things that God has done is birth a new ministry inside of you. And so, share that with us. And it's on, as I said, at the top of your um, bulletin cover on the inside, called Beautifully Broken. But share with us a little bit about that ministry and what that's going to hopefully accomplish. Yes. Well, a few months ago, I really felt God leading me to start a new ministry called Beautifully Broken. And back uh, the first few weeks when we were in the hospital with Dean while he was in his coma, I remember my husband telling some friends that he would never be the same again. And I had this Pollyanna thinking of like, everything is going to be the same again. We're going to go back home and life is going to be normal. And as time passed, God showed me that we have a new normal, and he also showed me that I will never be the same again. He has changed my perspective on life. He has um, shown me that life is precious, and we're not promised tomorrow, and that today is a gift. And with that, I feel whatever time I have left on this earth, I just want women to know how much God loves them. And that he is there wherever you are in your situation, and he meets us in our brokenness. 
And so that's where I come in and say, gentlemen, if you have any ladies in your life, co-workers, um, sisters, friends, wife, that may be going through a hard time, hardship, or life is treating them unfairly, or they just need encouragement on their walk with Christ, uh, that please, um, it meets once a month. January 12th is the first one, 8.30 to 10. That's a Saturday morning. Saturday morning, mm-hmm. 8.30, kind of a little early, not too early. So we have the rest of the day. Um, but that we will um, have, I'll have women share their testimonies on their brokenness and how God had met, has met them where they were. And then I will share a little message. And then there will be worship. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do with this ministry. Absolutely. Just a place of connecting people. You know, um, we got a Christmas card from the Dorman family. And on that Christmas card was the four of you across the, play, uh, across the um, front of it. And it said, it's a wonderful life. And uh, kind of a play off the movie, yes, but of thinking, you know what, um, life is about what you do with what has been given to you. And you guys have claimed it's a wonderful life. You know it's a wonderful life. And you see a picture just like this. And, um, you know, God receives the glory. It's the, same, it's the same one right there, Dean, as you're seeing right in front of you, okay? So, all right. Uh, hey, you know what, though? Um, Dean has got something special for us as well. Because um, as he woke up from that five, six-week coma, um, where all many of you have been praying for him, he told his mom something special. Um, And he said that God spoke to him in that time, right? So, Dean, what did God tell you while you were in that coma? It it is not your time. He said, Dean, it's not your time. It's not your time. We still have things for you. It's not your time. I still have things for you to do on this earth. And um, one of those that we have obviously been praying for is that Dean is going to stand and that Dean is going to walk. And so we are going to show you the progress that Dean has made right now. So, Dean, this is all yours, and your church family is just going to watch and encourage you uh, and watch what's going to take place. I think he's just going to keep walking off the stage. So I'm okay with that. You guys can have a seat. We are more than okay with that. Um, We are excited for you, Dean, and what God is doing in your life. And Marty and Michelle, um, we know that God is up to some really, really special things with this family. And, um, you know, we, we never know what the new year has in store for us. You never know. And even as Michelle was reminded of what that name means and Dean and how God gave her that gift and his name meaning one from the valley, 
um, boy, they have just said, God, okay, we might not um, know what the future holds for us, but we know you are in it. We know you hold the future, and um, this year is going to be an awesome year ahead of us. So I hope you have that same anticipation, that same joy of what is taking place and what's coming up as well. So they're, um, they're going to be here at the end of the service. They actually are going to speak at the next service as well, but I know you want to greet them on the way out, and we're excited for what God is doing in their lives. So let me pray, and um, as I do, Pastor Nikki is going to come. She is going to share the word with us this morning, um, and so you can have your Bibles open, your outlines out, and then Pastor Nikki will share with us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a life that we have seen um, changed. God, we don't always know why things happen and the reason for them, but we do know that you are involved, and when people love you, and people serve you, and people know you, um, God, you um, will walk with people through the valleys. And I, I do thank you for what you are doing in the Dorman family. I thank you for this church family that has come around them to support them and encourage them as well, knowing that, um, God, we know you are sovereign. We know that you are Lord. And uh, God, at the beginning of 2017, about 22 months ago, they had no idea what was going to come their way. And yet, Lord, I, I thank you that in the midst of it, you have promised that I will be here for you. And uh, so, Lord, we join them in praying for them. We join them in, in helping to give and to um, uh, be their go-between in many places, in many ways, none more than going to the throne of your grace and of your goodness to us. And so we, again, thank you for what Dean has been doing, the progress that he has been making. And uh, Lord, now as you uh, continue to work on our lives, even as you've been working on the Dorman family's lives, um, I thank you that you're going to bring your word here today as Pastor Nikki shares it with us. And uh, Lord, may our roots go deep, being rooted in you so that no matter what takes place, no matter what happens in this upcoming year, we will know you're active and you're involved in it. So we love you and we thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we will lean in now to listen to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Brad, I don't know how you made it through that without crying. I was a mess backstage. That was awesome. I hope you don't get too close with the camera. You might see my mascara. But um, I just want to say thank you to the Dorman family for sharing your story with us for the last 22 months and allowing us as a community of believers to stand by your side. Um, as I was listening to your story and listening to the ministry that God has birthed out of it, the beautifully broken ministry, I can't help but to hear those themes that have been knocking around my head and my heart throughout my life as well, of fear and hope and anxiousness and all of these things that brokenness produces in our lives. And I'm sure many of you part of your heart and part of your story identifies with that as well. And our circumstances are probably different than what the Dorman family is walking through, but the healing is the same. And it can only be done completely through Jesus, 110%. Right, Michelle? When I was 19, I began to process the brokenness that I have walked into that point of my life. You see, my formative years, my childhood, my teen years, they were really hard, full of brokenness. And at 19, I came to this place of anxiety and being riddled with fear and open wounds that I didn't know how to heal from. I, I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the knowledge and the ability. And I wasn't 
exactly sure how to dream or what to dream. Because the lens that I was looking through in my life was a lens that had been formed through brokenness and through emotion. And that's hollow. And I knew that I had to make a decision to begin the healing process. And I knew it was only going to be done through the Lord. During that time, my mom and I went to the Women of Faith conferences. How many of you are familiar with Women of Faith? Yeah, excellent, excellent conferences and amazing speakers. And it was during one of those conferences that I was listening to Lucy Swindoll. And she was speaking from Psalm, Psalm 1 verse 3, and that's the basis of today. If you would actually uh, take out your outlines, I have um, some notes for you and some scripture. And Psalm 1-3 says this, that a person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And for some reason, that was the fresh word that God spoken on me that day. A person like a tree, purposefully planted, not by accident, not wildly growing, but planted in its purpose spot where roots could grow deep, where in its season fruits could be produced. Prosperous, not withered. That brought comfort to my anxious heart like no other. And it was like in that moment, God gave me a snapshot into a future that could be. And so I began drinking deep that living water of Christ. I couldn't get enough. I I became, if you know my personality at all, you won't be surprised by hearing this, but I became like gangbusters for it. I wanted to go and do and serve and do everything I could and get to my purpose placed on as fast as possible. Let's get the show on the road. Let's get it done. But I noticed that in that speed and in that haste that I identified too much with the unproductive soils in the parable of the sower. If you would, read with me. This is found out of Matthew chapter 18, uh, chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. You can just follow along. A farmer who went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. Spring up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. And other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And I had fallen in love with Jesus and trusted his safe, unconditional love so hard and so fast, but yet I hadn't brought my brokenness to him. Nor had I pulled out the weeds of sin in my life. And the areas of past wounds and hurts, those were like the rocks in the soil. And my unrepentant sin, those were like the thorns choking the life out of my growth. I hadn't taken these things to the cross and experience complete healing. And if you don't do that, you can't grow deep roots of faith. When Lucy Swindoll was reading Psalm 1-3, I remember this so distinctly. I closed my eyes and I immediately, while she was reading this, I thought of the redwoods 
up the coast, the tall redwoods, the avenue of the giants. And in my mind's eye, I saw how tall they were, how large the trunks were. And I I was just thinking, oh, to be a giant for God, to grow and to grow and to grow in him and for him. And when you're looking up at these immense redwoods, and, and if you're there, if you've been there, you're looking up at these, what you're standing on is actually a root system wider than those trees are tall. And I began to process the principle of foundation and how important it is for us to grow. The foundation always has to be bigger than what it's supporting. We cannot speed through this process. Instead, we need to expect and embrace God's root building process in our lives, and that takes time. And that means things need to happen in the proper order. And that is roots before fruit. We are designed to bear fruit. In John 15, Jesus tells us that we are appointed to do this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Not just bear some fruit, but bear much fruit, lasting fruit, but only through and because you are connected and growing with Jesus. There's a part of this verse that has stung me a little bit. There's a hollowness in that apart from me, you can do nothing. Because we are destined to grow. We are not destined to be apart from Christ. It doesn't take, it doesn't just take time to grow tall, but purposed and active time for us to do our bit. This morning I want uh, to take you on a journey through the life of David. And we see his journey starting as a boy who grew to be a king. Uh, who was expected, who did this. He expected and embraced this root building process in his life. And it wasn't easy and he wasn't perfect. But he is a model for us. And just like those tall redwoods I showed you, with immense root systems large enough to bear the uh, weight above ground, David needed to trust God with the growth in his life. Because God would later trust David with a nation. And in David's life, there are different elements that God used to develop his root system over nearly two decades of process and preparation. And these elements are like different soils with different mixtures of nutrients needed for the specified purpose at the specified time. And we'll be talking about three soils necessary to grow in this way. And the first element that David needed for this root building process, you can write it in your alley if you're taking notes, is found in the soil of intimacy. As a shepherd in the field, David built a relationship with God through prayer, through worship, and a dependence on God as he fought his battles, his private battles with with lions and bears. And it is in the field where David developed a personal and intimate relationship with God. That's where it begins. There's no other way. In this time is when David learned to trust God and to cry out to him and to sing. And this time ignited a passion and a love for God and a desire and a longing for him that was like no other. He wrote in Psalm 42, as a deer pants 
for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh, God, my soul thirsts for you, living God. And because David met God in sincere and true intimacy, when those battles hit, when those discomforts came, he knew where to turn. He knew where to draw his strength. He knew where his comfort was coming from. And when our battles come, and when we're uncomfortable, and we want to give up in trusting to God, may we be like David in Psalm 62, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, he cried out, Oh God, you are my God! Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so I look upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I lift my hands. Amen. It is because during this time of intimacy that God speaks to you as his child. He leads you and he gives you exactly what you need for your roots to grow deep. So don't let routine, don't let excuses, don't let fear paralyze you from acting on what God is speaking into your life. Carry it, walk it, live it, claim it, even if it's frightening. Because guys, you're not as fragile as you think you are. God has you. He has got you. Find a place and a time to be intimate with God and you protect it. Make it special. He desires to plant you in a soil where he can get your full attention, where he can speak into your heart. He can ignite a love for him that becomes your primary motivation in life. He desires you. So find a place to meet him. The second element David needed in his root building process is found in the soil of serving. David was anointed to become the next king when he was very young, somewhere between 8 and 15 years old. And after he was anointed by Samuel, David not only continued to serve in his father's house, but uh, by caring for the sheep and taking food to his brothers in the front lines of war, but he was also called upon by the then current king, Saul, to serve as his personal worship pastor and armor bearer. And David did this. David didn't embrace this position of serving because he knew it was a stepping stone to the throne. It wasn't that at all. He maintained an attitude of humility, even when Saul turned against him. David's choice to embrace serving as the appropriate role for the would-be king is actually a foreshadowing of the true and eternal servant king who is Jesus Christ. It was also a model for us, the model for us. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus explained that when we serve others, he actually counts it as serving him. This is what it says out of Matthew. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? 
When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invited you in, needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to you? And the king will reply, truly, <coughs> whatever you do, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. And I can tell you, in my own walk, it is in times of intimacy with God where I found healing and where I continue to fight my battles today. But it was in times of service where I read this passage with a heart ready to receive. A little after Women of Faith times in my early 20s, um, I went on as many mission trips as humanly possible. (laughs) I wanted to go. I wanted to serve. I wanted to grow. I wanted to serve the kingdom and further the kingdom. And on one trip to Costa Rica, I chose this passage, uh, the, the parable of the sheep and the goats, to meditate over, to, to process, to be the lens in which I saw this service experience. And my, sar- my heart was so challenged, and in turn it was humbled and change because every act of service, every need that I saw in front of me that I could choose to respond to, it was as if I was doing it for Jesus. And it made my heart break for the things that break God, broke God's. And, and it left me in this place of wanting to give more and do more and serve more. And not in a matter of self-promotion, but because I love the Lord. And I knew he had a plan and purpose for my life and the lives for others. And it was on this trip when the seed of ministry and service was planted so deep into my heart. And it was within six months that I left my full-time career path corporate job in Sacramento and accepted a part-time job as a youth intern here. The pay was not an increase. (laughs) But I could not have been more excited and more fulfilled and and more satisfied and more provided for. You see, that's the divine exchange in serving. That when you take steps of obedience and sacrifice, God always meets you. He always does, and he always takes care of you. As you give and experience him in deeper ways through service, he gives you irreplaceable joy and complete provision. The most joyful people I know are also the greatest servants I know. When Jesus told us to demonstrate the greatest love by laying down our lives, he wasn't just referring for us to die for something. While Jesus did pray, pay the greatest price by going to the cross and offering redemption of forgiveness of our sins, of being connected to the Lord, but he also modeled it every single day of laying down his life through sacrificial service. Jesus served everybody, and he served them in ways that revealed how truly he loved them. And we are called to serve in the same way. We are called to serve because of love. It's as simple as that. Because Jesus is love. He died for love. He served out of love. Love, love, love. The soil of serving is one of the richest places to grow your roots, and it is there that they can grow deep and wide and get the nutrients needed 
to bear lasting, impactful, eternal fruit. God processes David's life. Um, God's process in David's life was designed to prepare him. To prepare him to be a leader who could handle the weight of promotion. To handle the weight of increase. And along with the soils of intimacy and serving, God planted David in a third soil. And that is the soil of community. When 400 men joined David in the cave cave of Adullam, he learned what it meant to be a leader of men. He learned to trust friends, to trust his brothers in arms, to trust God. He learned to encourage, he learned to inspire, he learned to uplift, he learned to take hits, he learned to model a standard of honor for others to follow. And he learned to lead with a vision. As in everything, it is vital that we build our lives on the words and the example of Jesus Christ. He is the example that we follow and the model upon which are based our lives. And the Gospels are very clear that Jesus lived in community. He is, and his disciples, they traveled, they ate, they slept, they worked, they ministered all together. In fact, scripture shows us the times when Jesus was alone was when he was seeking times of intimacy with God the Father. Other than that, Jesus hung out with his community. He had real relationships with the people he served with and he worshiped God with. Jesus repeatedly emphasized that our interactions with other people matter in our interactions with him. He said, you can't tell me you love me while hating a brother. Your interaction with that person over there is tied to your interaction with me. Don't you love me? Love people. In our culture, independence and isolation and self-promotion are very natural. But they're countercultural to Christianity. Christianity should be lived out in the context of community. And not just an online community, although it's an incredible resource, but in a room like this, our church family, getting to know people that we worship with, serve with them, pray for them. Jesus said in John 17, 23, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you loved me. Unity. So that the world will know. And there's that word again. Love, love, love. As a whole, we are one body with many parts working together. Romans 12.5 says that. So in Christ, though many, um, we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Christ's design for community brings unity and strength and safety and covering. And when the body of believers rallies together in prayer and in wisdom and in counsel and in claiming scriptural truth and encouragement and in service, it's during these times that that we just heard about from the Dorman family that makes it a little bit more bearable, that brings comfort, that brings... a little bit more of an ease to get through these times, a peace. 
The Dorman family is an incredible example of this and of community coming together and rallying and praying and, and giving wise counsel. I remember Dean's accident and the response of this community of believers. And it was moving, and, and you heard a bit about it from Michelle. It was a response in prayer and in resources and in encouragement and in love. And also, you couldn't make it to worship, so worship came to you. Worship outside of the window of, of Dean's hospital room and having a special prayer service of praying for Dean's very life on our knees, brothers and sisters in our sanctuary here. A church family, but it takes honest connection and real relationships with people in this very room, with the people in your community groups. And if you're not connected with one, get connected. As Pastor Brad there's an in, said, there's an insert in your bulletin with a lot of different options. Find one. Get connected. Get to know people that you're sitting next to. Our root system will simply not grow strong and sustain lasting fruitfulness unless our roots grow and are deeply planted and drawing life from community. If you're not connected, get connected. We're pretty nice people around here. Get to know us. Saul and David were both chosen to be the anointed kings over Israel. They each reigned, this is interesting, for about the same amount of time, about 40 years. Both achieved significant victories and successes. Both made big mistakes as well. Neither were perfect. And yet the fruit of these two men could not have been more different. The critical difference between Saul and David lay in their root system. Saul never planted in the soils of intimacy, serving, and community as David did. I want to encourage you to make a choice to expect and embrace God's root-building process and participate in it. Choose to be one who is rooted in the source. Saul never connected in a deep, abiding way to the source that David had in his life. And what is that source? What is that source for us? It is Christ alone. In the book of Revelation, Jesus told John, I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. David was rooted in Christ and thus produced fruit that lasts. So I ask you, will you let God plant you where he wants you? Will you embrace his timetable for establishing your roots? That was a hard one for me. Every day we get to choose between human successes and God's successes, between the temporal and the eternal, between the way of Saul and the way of David. It is my fervent prayer that you choose to be one who is rooted in the source, who is Jesus. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with your word fresh in our hearts and our minds, and we thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, may we walk in your ways and embrace and expect this, this root-building process that you have designed for each of us. And Lord, I pray over this community of believers today, and I pray that we will desire to long for you as David did. May we find a time and a place to have deep, intimate moments with you, and may you give us all the courage to step out 
in service and, and give our, us the right heart of love and humility. May we connect to you in deeper ways and also connect to each other as a body, as a family, as a community. May we preach your gospel through the way that we love, through the way that we live. May you be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for desiring intimacy with us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for redemption. We love you. Amen.